Well, how cute was that Mother's Day video? Welcome to Grace. We are so glad that you are here with us today. Moms, we want to wish you a very happy Mother's Day. We hope that you feel appreciated and celebrated and seen. You are the heroes in your home. My name is Desiree Jacobs, and it is an honor and a privilege to be with you today. I'm a mom myself. I have four young kiddos, ages 9, 7, 5, and 3, and being a mom is one of the greatest joys and privileges I have ever had. And last summer, my husband and I reached a major shift in our parenting. Our youngest was turning three and had just been potty trained, and so we, as parents, officially exited the baby season. We love going to the beach as a family, but it's something that we just had put on hold as we were knee-deep in babies. But finally, we decided that we were going to start going back as a family, and my husband, who has surfed for over 15 years, wanted to teach our boys how to surf. And so we got them a used longboard, we took them down to the water, and he starts to teach them the basics of surfing. Now, if you have ever surfed before, if you're an avid surfer, you know that you do not want to get caught in the break zone. And this is just where the waves crash. And it can be very overwhelming to be caught here because the waves are crashing hard. You can get hurt. They can push you back into the shore. And so the goal is to get past that break zone, out into the open water, to the lineup, where you can catch the wave and you can harness the power of the water to ride into the shore. And so for my little guys, he took them out one at a time, and they're looking at this break zone, trying to get past it, and they're only six and eight, and their eyes are, are starting to get big, and they're getting overwhelmed, and my husband is just locking in with them, saying, I got you, just trust me. He's trying to teach them how to duck dive under the water, and finally they get out, and he gets one of them up on their board, gets them positioned to catch the wave. And I know that I am a biased parent, but they were only six and eight, and each one of them, it only took them a few times to get up on their board. And the feeling of that moment watching my boys get up on the surfboard and ride it into the shore was just amazing. They were beaming ear to ear. My husband is cheering them on. I'm catching it on my camera, and it was just a moment that I'll never forget. I want you today to hold on to this image of a wave, because this is what we are going to be talking about as we dive into our message. We are in a series called Numb and Number, and we are talking about the fact that as human beings, we would often rather numb our emotions than feel them. We can numb out to Netflix, to a screen, to a bottle, to food, to online shopping. And what we are looking at is that God created our emotions and then he's big enough to handle our emotions. And we've talked about emotions such as anger and stress. And today we are going to dive into the emotion and topic of grief. Now, for some of us today on Mother's Day, diving into the topic of grief can be extremely painful. Some of you may have lost a child or a parent. Maybe you're estranged from a child or a parent. You don't have a good relationship with them. Maybe you have walked that painful road of infertility, or maybe you're single and you're just desperate to be a mother, to have a family. And I know that it can be uneasy to enter into this topic of grief. But I want to invite you to stay 
and to listen to what the Lord has to say to us through his word. Because I believe that God is not absent from our pain, but that he is actually right in the middle of it. And then for others of you today, it might be a day of joy. You might be in a great season. You might love life. You might love being a mom or love the job that you're in. And and actually, in this time of COVID-19, things are actually pretty good for you. I want you to put this message then in your back pocket because someday we will all experience grief. We will all experience loss. And so as we dive in, I want us to first look at the definition of grief because often we think of grief in response only to death. But actually, grief, according to the dictionary, is a response to the loss of someone or something that has died to which a bond was formed. And this can be like a physical death, but it can also be a figurative death. It could be the death of a relationship, a friendship that has ended, or maybe a family relationship that has just shifted. Things have happened, and it's no longer going to be the same, or it's just not going to be what we had hoped it would be. It could be the loss, the death of a marriage. In motherhood, as we move in um, to welcome a a new member into our family, we can kind of lose that autonomy, that sense of identity, that sense of independence. For us in this season of COVID, you know, our kids are now home and we're schooling them and maybe some of us are also trying to work. And so we're grieving that, that loss of independence and that loss of our time to ourselves. And I want us to see grief as waves in our life. And that when it comes to these waves in our life, we have two options. We have two choices that we can make. We can, number one, we can fight against it. We can stay in that break zone and we can end up experiencing even more pain and suffering or we can face our grief. We can enter into the waves and we can ride through it. Twelve years ago, I experienced the deepest loss I ever have in my life and I did not face my grief well. My childhood best friend who had grown up around the corner from me We had our first sleepovers together. We talked about boys when we were in high school. We shared our our most painful moments in life. We attended each other's weddings. That childhood best friend was killed in a drive-by shooting. She was 24. She was a mom of two, and none of it made any sense. And rather than ride the waves of my grief, I completely numbed them. I didn't take them to God. I didn't take them to my friends, to my husband. I stopped praying. I stood in church with my arms crossed, refusing to praise. And the result was that I went into deeper suffering and pain. I became extremely angry, extremely fearful, and it took me down a very, very dark road. When we don't process our loss and our grief, when we fight against those waves, when we stay in that break zone, rather than succumbing, to the waves of grief. We fall deeper into suffering, and ultimately we fall farther and farther from the heart of God. Now, I know some of you listening today may not know God, or maybe you're just checking out Jesus, checking out faith, or you grew up in the church and you've walked away and now you're coming back to revisit it. And you might have some questions, like why would God allow a bad thing to happen to a good person? Or why would God allow suffering in my life? Why would he allow me to experience these losses? 
And these are very valid questions and questions that I have even had myself. And I am going to direct you to a place where you can direct those questions. But for today, for the purpose of this topic, we are going to look at two questions. Number one, where is God in our grief? And number two, how do we process our grief? So where is God in our grief and how do we process our grief? And we've been in the book of Psalms and using it as our roadmap for how to process through our emotions. And we are going to be looking specifically today at Psalm 42. Now, if you don't have a Bible at home, you can open a separate web browser. I like Bible Gateway. Um, I'm going to be reading from the New International Version in my Bible here. I invite you to follow along. And if you're also not familiar with the Bible, the Bible is a book, um, a set of books that are divided into the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the book of Psalms is in the Old Testament, and it is a collection of poems. And most of them are written by King David. This one in particular is Psalm 42. And David knew suffering. He had lost his son as a consequence to an affair. And David knew the depths of despair. And so we're going to see in this psalm these waves of David's grief. Now, the psalms are broken into literary categories. We have psalms of thanksgiving, psalms of wisdom, psalms of celebration. And this psalm is a psalm of lament. And in a psalm of lament, we have six aspects. We have the address, who the author is speaking to, the complaint, the trust, deliverance, assurance, and praise. And so we are going to be looking at all of those aspects in this psalm. And I'm going to read along here. I invite you to follow along at home with me. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? So right off the bat, we see this address. He is speaking to God, and he is desperate for him. He is equating his desperation for God to the desperation a deer might feel for water. He wants God to quench this thirst within him. Have you felt this way? Have you felt desperate for God to meet a need within you? Verse 3, he goes on to say, My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? So this is his complaint. He is obviously grieving. He is crying. His tears are spilling out so much so that they have become his food. And he is mourning so much that people are questioning, Where is your God? David is extremely vocal about his grief here. He is not holding back. He is riding out the waves of his grief. How do you respond when loss hits you? How do you respond to your grief? Do you ignore it? Do you numb it with a quick fix? Do you stuff it down? Do you minimize it? Maybe you say, well, it's not that big of a loss, or it's not as big as that person's loss over there. Maybe you slap kind of a Christian phrase on it. Well, God works all things for good. This just must have been God's timing. God's faithful. And I don't think that those phrases are bad at all. But when we are using them to minimize our pain, to minimize that loss, and to not allow ourselves to experience that grief, that's where the problem lies. Maybe you sink into depression, become even more, more in a state of pain and grief. Or maybe you face them like David did. 
For me, I chose not to. I chose not to face my grief, and I suffered even more pain because of that. Verse 4, he goes on to say, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with a multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. And so he's reminiscing here. He's wishing that he could go back to the way that things were when he was rejoicing and he was praising God. And often when it comes to our losses, there's this dividing line. There's life before the loss and life after the loss. Life before our marriage fell apart and life after our marriage fell apart. Life before that loved one was taken from us and life after. Can you relate to this when you look back at your losses? Verse 5, we are going to see this change in David's tone. He says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So he is shifting and he is beginning to state his assurance in his Savior. He's saying, why are you downcast? You can hope in God. You can trust him. He goes on similarly to say in verse 6, My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. And so he is remembering what God has done for him. He is stating his trust. He's saying, my soul is downcast, and the result of that is that I am going to remember God's faithfulness. Can you relate to this? When you look back on your losses, can you see God's faithfulness there? Can you see the fingerprints of God surrounding that circumstance? Did friends carry you through a painful divorce? Did meals arrive at your home when your child was suddenly taken from you? Did community surround you as you're going through a difficult circumstance? Did God provide financially for your family when you lost your job? And if you don't know God, can you look back on those circumstances and see unexplained events? Maybe that were given to you as gifts by a good father. A few months before my friend was killed, I went home to visit family. And for whatever reason, life had gotten busy and I hadn't seen her in a few years. And we were driving on this two-lane highway and we passed each other. And we ended up pulling over to the side of the road and talking and we later met up for coffee and just sat and caught up for hours. And months later, after she was killed, I looked back on that moment, and I knew without a shadow of a doubt that that was a gift directly from the Father's heart to me because it would have been so much more painful to mourn her loss if I had not just seen her, if it had been years since we had spoken. Throughout the rest of this psalm, we are going to see David continually bouncing back and forth between acknowledging his grief and praising who God is, acknowledging his grief and praising who God is. And this is exactly how grief works. It is not just this one-time thing where we grieve for a few days or months and then we pick ourselves back up and brush ourselves off and we just move on and we're done with it. No, grief comes in waves. It comes in waves birthday rolls around. An anniversary comes up. We have to see that difficult family member at an event. 
we're at the grocery store, and we see that mom with a new baby on her hip, and we are just desperate, desperate to be a mother. Or we're in a season of singleness, and we see a happy couple walk by, and we are just desperate to have a partner in life, someone to share our life with. The waves can come over and over again, and it can feel so painful, like we are stuck in that break zone. Finally, David ends in verse 11. And he says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. He references back to verse 6. You see, David's grief has continually brought him back to the heart of the Father. And when it comes to our own grief, we have two choices. We can numb our grief and run from it and experience even deeper pain in that break zone. Or we can embrace it. We can ride out the waves of our grief and we can be brought close to the heart of God like David was. As we see in this psalm, grieving brings us close to the heart of God. I'm going to say that one more time. Our grieving brings us close to the heart of God. We can embrace our grief because that is exactly where Jesus is. All throughout scripture, we see evidence of God reaching down and entering into humanity's brokenness and pain and suffering. And the ultimate way that he did that was by putting on the human form of Jesus. Jesus entered right into humanity's pain and brokenness. He wasn't removed from it. He didn't shy away from it. He didn't numb out to it. He entered right into the middle of it. He wept at the tomb of his friend Lazarus, even though he knew he was going to resurrect him. He entered into that pain of mourning his friend. As he was on a road to heal a prominent man's daughter, he was stopped by a woman who had been suffering for 12 years. And rather than push her to the side or give her a quick fix, he entered into her brokenness, and he gave her a chance to share her entire story with him. And the ultimate way that Jesus entered into our pain and entered into our suffering was by taking on the cross. When I finally allowed myself to grieve my friend's death, when I entered into those waves of pain and loss, that's where I encountered Jesus in his heart for me and my grief. It didn't fix it. It didn't bring her back to life. It didn't even answer all of my questions. But I would rather enter into my grief and experience the heart of God than numb out and suffer even more pain. And when we enter into those waves of grief, we, number one, we pour everything out to God. We pour out our anger. We pour out our questions. We pour out even our rejection of him. We can literally cast every single emotion that we have onto him because he can handle it. It won't change his love for us. It won't take our salvation. It won't make him turn away from us. We cast everything out onto Jesus. And I love how Rebecca Lyons puts it in her book, You Are Free, in response to her own grief. She says, a transfer was happening. Jesus was taking my pain upon himself, and he had done the same on the cross for us all. 
So in this pouring out, in this entering into the waves of our grief and pouring out everything onto Jesus, a transfer is happening with our pain. And number two, after we've poured everything out, we then praise him through the pain. I love how David never stops praising God despite his pain and grief. You see, our grief does not cancel out our faith. Our grief does not cancel out our faith. We can be in the depths of mourning, unable to get out of bed, and we can still claim faith in Jesus. We can shake our fists at God and be so angry over our loss and still believe that he is good. We can hold both pain and praise in both hands. And it is as we praise that we are brought closer to the heart of God. Another author that I admire and love is Anjuli Pashal, and in her book, Stay, she says that we allow God to wrap all of our hurts and our pain and our grief until we can see straight again. And so as we enter into praising God, we are allowing him to wrap us up, to wrap up our grief, to wrap up our pain, to wrap up our brokenness until we can see straight again. And our invitation today, for some of us, you have never allowed Jesus into your life. You have never called him your savior. You have never let him enter into your pain and your brokenness and you're feeling that tug on your heart right now. And so whether you are alone or with your family in your home, I'm gonna give you an invitation to do that in a moment. For others of you, you are realizing that there are some losses in your life, maybe recent or maybe a long time ago, that you have never processed through. You never allowed yourself to enter into those waves of grief and process through it. And you would like to bring Jesus into your pain and I'm going to give you an invitation to do that as well. So would you bow your heads with me and pray? Jesus, first and foremost, I just want to pray for those listening today that have never said yes to you. God, I pray that in the quietness of their own heart, that they would cry out and say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I believe that an exchange happened on the cross. My sins for your eternal life. Would you come and make your home with me? Would you enter into my heart, into my pain, into my brokenness? And would you begin to make me new? And God, for those that are listening, that have suffered deep loss, however small or great it may be, whether it was yesterday or 10 years from now, 10 years ago, God, would you be near to them? God, we thank you that you don't shy away from our grief, you don't shy away from our brokenness and from our pain, but you enter directly into it. And I ask that you would be near to every single heart that is listening today. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are a God that can handle our emotions and a God that we can praise through our pain. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.